0: We're grateful tonight to have Reverend Trudy White bring the message, and as indicated earlier, she is beginning a wonderful series on Esther, and uh, we had the privilege of having Pastor Trudy and her husband, Eric, and the children as a part of our church family back from, uh, I believe it was the fall of 1983, I think, Pastor Trudy, 1983, when uh, you first walked into our previous church building, and... uh, I saw this beautiful young lady, and I thought, "Oh, it'd be nice if I could uh, link her up, link her up with one of our young men in the church." And praise God, that was one of my few successes. <laughs> I think it was his only success. But <laughs> <laughs> amen. Amen.
1: If you need help? He'll help you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um Pastor Trudy, if I recall correctly. Um, you are you were one of the, the chairpersons of one of our stewardship campaigns the first right stu-
1: the first stewardship campaign and our theme at the time was not equal giving but equal sacrifice and, and uh, we carried it on after that and so is this on Raven okay and so thank you pastor Nick and and so just before I start it was really great uh, that this uh, timing I guess happened at the same time but I would have been here anyway and that uh, And and George, having you sing your voice as strong as ever and wow, what a throwback and having uh, Having Ruth played reminds me when Ruth used to uh, be on the the organ side and and John I mean George with his curly hair (laughs) Was our worship leader (laughs) Good and so congratulations Uh, We I came in 1983 Yes, not long, and, and Pastor Stephen Pat came around that same time, and not long after, you know, Pastor Nick set me up. It was quite embarrassing, but it was okay. We uh, <laughs> survived, and uh, and uh, Eric and I have been uh, part of this um, um, all of these different uh, campaigns and, and and the vision. Because when God gave Pastor Nick that vision uh, for this uh, 15-year plan. Uh, we really bought into it. We really felt God working. And, and so through ma- the many different campaigns we have been a part of, so to have the mortgages and loans paid off, you can tell we were excited and we are excited. Um, and uh, and now the baton gets passed on to keep going to those who are new to this congregation and, and, and those of you who continue to be here, continue to be faithful. God has done amazing things. He'll continue to do great things. But I also want to add to that, that's as much as, uh, so I, I was a lay person here for the longest time until the Lord called me into ministry in, in 2000. And then uh, Pastor Nick and, and the, the board and you gave me an opportunity to come and serve here. Um, one of the wonderful blessings is as God has been moving and, and, um, and you know, we've been building uh, this building and having a building, it has never ever been just let's build a building, it has always been how do we carry out the mission? And not just the mission for those who uh, we can reach in this neighbourhood and and disciple in this neighbourhood, but it's always been a mission of planting churches. And so even before we came here, one of the churches that was planted was uh, the Village Church, Markham Village Church in 1987. I was a lay person, and so uh, about nine and a half years ago, when we needed to make a decision, after I'd been serving here about nine years, I was asked, uh, would we be willing to go and restart the Village Church? So on behalf of the Village Church, uh, congratulations for what you uh, have accomplished, what we've all accomplished together. But I also want to add, and maybe I'm just running it together really fast because of time (laughs) constraints, But in addition to all of that, through Rosewood Church, not only uh, has there been birthed birthed, uh, different congregations, but uh, from within uh, has arisen a number of different church leaders. And thanks to God that he uh, um, gave to Pastor Nick such a heart to mentor and, and, and uh, so when we would come to him and say we feel that the Lord is calling us into ministry, you know he was really quick to pray with us and to see what opportunities uh, that could be provided. And so Pastor Steve was one of our, our first uh, associates, and then so he came from within Rosewood Church. We had Pastor Stewart, but then I came from within Rosewood Church, and then there was Lisa and Tina and other younger ones uh, right now, Bria and uh, Jeremy and so forth. And so, um, God has done great things, wouldn't you say? Amen, amen. All right, all right, so let's move on now to Esther. We've got four weeks to cover it, but we can do it, right? It's only 10 chapters, and so I'm encouraging you to go home and read these 10 chapters because you won't be able to put it down, right? Because it's drama and its power, and its romance, and its intrigue. This is the stuff of which best-selling novels are made of, right, Why, why some of us buy these novels. But far from a modern piece of fiction, those words describe a true story lived and written centuries ago. More than entertaining reading, it is a story of the profound interplay of God's sovereignty and human will. God prepared the place and the opportunity, and his people, Esther and Mordecai, chose to act. So I encourage you to read uh, these ten chapters in the next week. Tonight we're just going to go through the first two. The book of Esther begins with Queen Vashti refusing to obey an order from her husband, King Xerxes. The king decided that he was going to have a party of all parties, right? He threw a banquet for all of his nobles and officials and military leaders and the princes and just about everybody of importance in the empire. This celebration went on and on for about six months as he showed off his wealth and his majesty. And to wrap it up, he decided to give a banquet that lasted seven days. And you can just imagine, the place was absolutely decked out. He spared no expense on decorations, on couches of gold and silver. And I go, wow, that must have been hard. But okay, couches of gold and silver, and wine served in goblets of gold, and on and on. And by the end of the week, let's just say the king and everybody else was probably pretty drunk. Right? And Queen Vashti, she was giving her own banquet for the women when she received a message that the king requested her presence. And he wanted to show off his queen. Maybe, he, maybe she was beautiful and he was proud of her. Maybe he was drunk, he wasn't sure what he was doing. But he wanted to show her off, right? And I'm sure it was more um, than whatever, than the fact that he wanted to show her off. But Vashti refused to go. And, and um, perhaps she refused to go because she didn't want to go into a room full of a drunken men staring at her and making improper remarks and, and perhaps, in, perhaps indecent remarks even though she was the queen. And so she refused to go. And so King Xerxes, King Xerxes, he was furious. And the scripture says he burned with anger. Her refusal humiliated him and called his authority into question. And he wasn't going to take it lying down. After all, he was the king. And in those days, women were property. And nobody, absolutely nobody, including the queen, refused to obey the king. If he were sober or perhaps less boastful and proud, he may not have made that request. But once he made it and she refused, he was embarrassed and had to do something to save face. And so we can learn from this situation that we must be careful when we make decisions. We must be careful not to place ourselves in situations where we lose control of ourselves. For example, getting drunk, or letting our anger get the best of us, or where we are adversely influenced by others. We see here that poor decisions are made when people don't think clearly. When decisions are made in such a fashion, all sorts of complications may arise. So, we are to work and not putting ourselves in situations where we become intoxicated, where we allow our anger to blind us, where we are backed into a corner, where the only way to save face is to be unjust, or where we allow the opinions of other people to cause us to make rash and hurtful decisions. It doesn't matter how many people are in the room or in a meeting or a gathering or even how important these people are considered to be. We are to conduct ourselves with self control and with the help of God's Spirit live godly, upright lives where we are always gracious and kind and willing to take a stand for what is right despite other people's opinions and influences. We must never let pride rule us. So Queen Vashti, she refused to parade before the king's all-male party, possibly because it was against Persian custom for a woman to appear before a public gathering of men. This conflict between Persian custom and the king's command put her in a difficult situation, and she chose to refuse her half-drunk husband, hoping he would come to his senses later. Some have suggested that Vashti was pregnant with Artaxerxes, who was born in 483 BC, and that she did not want to be seen in public in that state. Whatever the reason, her action was a breach of protocol that placed Xerxes in a very difficult situation. And once he made the command, as a Persian king, he could not reverse it, and while Uh, preparing to invade Greece, Xerxes had invited important officials from all over his land to see his power and his wealth and his authority. And so if it were perceived that he had no authority over his wife, then his military credibility would be damaged. In addition, King Xerxes was accustomed to getting what he wanted. And as a result of a poor decision, a refusal to admit that he was wrong, being locked in by protocol and tradition and needing to protect his authority despite the fact that she was his queen, King Xerxes banished Vashti and the search began for a new queen. Now, I don't think love played a role in any of the king's relationships. It was probably political as well as lust right? Perhaps the odd time he really did like someone. Um, After all, he had a harem full of women, right? And these women were his property. And he really didn't respect them as seen by the way he treated Vashti. The exception uh, to all of this seems to be Esther. But I would say that was God's hand at work in that situation and that relationship. Another lesson for all of us is to be careful who we get involved with in our intimate relationships and friendships. Make sure that we are in relationships where we are respected and valued. Because if we are not, then there are only going to be complications, frustrations, anger and perhaps heartbreak down the road. With that said, it is always up to us, as well, to be respectful of others and not to put anyone in a compromising situation. Further, be careful that we do not allow lusts or desires to influence our decisions or negatively impact our relationships. You see, eventually, now he banished Vashti, but eventually it says the king remembered Vashti. Perhaps he missed her. Perhaps he was now thinking clearly and realized what he had done. But because of their laws, he couldn't reverse his decision. Perhaps he was lonely or depressed, who knows? And so his personal attendants proposed that they search the land for the most beautiful virgins for the king. And from this group, he would choose a queen. I find it interesting that he didn't choose a queen from those who were already there in his harem, but they decided they would search the land for even more beautiful uh, women from which he would would choose uh, the queen. And the king agreed. And I'm thinking, why not, right? I am thinking, this is uh, turning out really well for him. Let's search the land for more uh, beautiful women. And so he had nothing to lose, everything to gain. And the king, he sends out this decree to gather together all the beautiful women in the empire and bring them into the royal harem. And the scripture says they were beautiful young virgins. You see, Persian kings collected not only vast amount of jewelry, but also great numbers of women. These young virgins, they were taken from their homes and they were required to come now and to live in separate building near the palace called a harem. And their sole purpose was to serve the king and to await his call for sexual pleasure. They rarely saw the king and their lives actually were very restrictive, uh, restricted and boring. And I don't know if the king saw any of them more than once a year, and uh, he probably saw them rarely, and when he did see them, if he was displeased by any of them, then he would never see her again, but she was not allowed to return home. She would have to stay in the harem, she would end up enduring a lifetime of servitude, being bossed around, being made the topic of gossip and other hurtful actions. You see, when I know about that and read about that, I have to say there are times we find ourselves in circumstances beyond our control. However that happens, we must choose how we are going to respond and conduct ourselves. Whether it was Esther or Joseph or Daniel or others in the Bible, we see that because of their faith, they submitted to God and invited him to use them even in the most unjust and unfair, severe, dangerous and harsh circumstances. Overall, they maintained an attitude of prayer and trust and they stood firm in their faith. No matter what they faced, they lived in such a way that God was glorified. So let us be challenged and inspired to do the same. We all know that we will find ourselves at some point or the other in our lives in circumstances that are beyond our control. And this is especially where we are going to need God's help to guide us in how we respond in such situations. Amen. And so when we, if we ever find ourselves, if you ever find yourself in such a situation, will you remember to call on him to seek Him at all times, especially in those times. And you'll say, well, why do you need to remind us? Because humans have a wonderful way of forgetting God when they get in a pickle, right? And so we need to be reminded that you, you don't walk away from your church family. You don't say, oh, I'm going through a hard time, so I won't go to church on Sundays anymore, which I will tell you from my personal experience, it happens more than you think right? When we are going through difficult situations, this is where we need to come together as a church family. This is where we need to be faithful. This is where we need to keep seeking uh, God for his guidance and his direction and his help in those difficult situations. So, back to the story. The decree goes out and a Jew named Mordecai heard about it. He had been taking care of his cousin Hadassah from a very young age since her parents had died, and he was more like a father. So uh, by this time, the Jews had been living in exile over 100 years. They had been given great freedom and were allowed to run their own businesses and hold positions uh, in the government. But I am sure there was still hostility and discrimination against them, which we will see come to the surface later on. Mordecai, I believe, simply wanting a good life with some security for his cousin, whom he called Esther, and I believe, guided by God, took her to the citadel of Susa, where they were gathering the young girls to present to the king, and he left her there for her to go through the process. Mordecai, being a devout Jew, would lead me to assume that he prayed about it and felt in some way that that is what he he needed to do. The opposite of making rash decisions would be to take time to pray about any decision that we have to make, especially decisions that can seriously impact our lives, our future, and others. And as we are praying, make sure we slow down and give time to listen clearly and know for sure that we are hearing from God and we are doing what God wants us to do. Prayer is the key. Prayer is always the key. But not just talking to God, but building in time in our prayer to listen in order to receive guidance. You know, sometimes this is where it truly is better to sleep on a matter before we make a decision that we might regret. I believe often as we take the time, we give ourselves more time to consult God and then to hear from him. And another lesson from Mordecai is the opportunities we have are more important than the ones we wish we had, right? So stop wishing for something that's not there and take advantage of the opportunities that do come your way, that's right in front of you. Every day in your family, when you go to work, when you go to the mall, when you go to the bank, when you're doing your groceries, whatever, stop wishing, oh, if i had only had this opportunity to do something big for God, and take advantage of the opportunities he puts right in front of you every day. Opportunities to do good, to represent Christ, to set an example, to be a good friend, to be a good loyal partner, to be a good parent, to be a good volunteer, to be generous, whatever opportunities the Lord sets before you. Stop wishing for what you don't have, and as God gives you these opportunities in front of you, take advantage of those opportunities. Now God's hand is clearly on Esther because she pleases the person who is in charge and he gives her maids to help her and moved her to the best place in the harem and she was well looked after. You know, that's God's hand. God's hand of guidance. So sometimes when you don't actually see that, you know, the thunder and the lightning and so forth, we see that God just gently moves us. When we are obedient, he just gently opens the door. And so she pleases the person in charge and she's being well looked after. And this is a reminder that even when we find ourselves in challenging and difficult situation, God never abandons us. And in fact, as we trust him, he has a way of bringing good out of the worst of situations, right? And so sometimes we have to look really hard to see the good, there's no doubt. Sometimes the situations are so challenging, we really have to pray, Lord, what is the good? What good can come out of this situation? And sometimes it doesn't feel like there is any good in the situation, but God is always faithful. He is always present, he is always working, and in the end, His will will be done and we can be part of it if we trust him in the journey and look for ways to be a positive influence for him in the lives of those who don't know him. Now, you will recall that pretty much the same thing happened to Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were taken into captivity. As they trusted God, as they stood firm in their faith, God granted them favor with their captors. The same thing happened to Joseph when he was sold as a slave in Egypt. If we gripe and groan and complain, oh, about how unjust and how unfair life is, then we're not open to God using us and using us in marvelous, miraculous, powerful ways, whether it's to change the course of a nation or simply change the destiny of one individual. Attitude matters. You've heard it said, I'm just reminding you. Attitude matters. How we choose to view our situation matters. Persevere in our faith and trust, perseverance in our faith and trust in God is of the utmost importance. And so we continue to learn from Mordecai that we can trust God to weave together the events of life for our best, even though we may not be able to see the overall pattern. It is not mentioned how they lived out their faith, but I am assuming that both Mordecai and Esther did. They seemed from the story to be people of prayer and seeking God's direction. Esther, under the direction of Mordecai, kept her nationality, her identity as a Jew secret. They understood uh, that while they had certain privileges, uh, they were clearly in the minority. And they understood that technically, They were exiles, even though it was probably Mordecai's great-grandparents who were brought into exile. And they understood the political and racial tensions that existed. So, while boldness in stating our identity as God's people is our responsibility, at times a good strategy is to keep quiet until we have won the right to be heard. This is especially true when dealing with those in authority over us, but we can always let them see the difference that God makes in our lives. Ultimately, we cannot and should not keep our Christian faith a secret, but there are times when we have to use our discretion. If your life is in danger because of your Christian faith, then it might be appropriate to keep quiet. But with that said... There may, have, uh, there may come a time when for the s- cause of Christ and for the sake of Christ, we will have to stand up and make our identity known, right? And so we have to see what the situation is and what the circumstances is and allow the Lord to guide us. Is it, this, is it appropriate at this time to keep quiet or to take a stand and to speak out boldly? If we think about our current uh, situation and the atmosphere in which we live and the attitude towards Christians today, we are still able to, despite opposition, openly declare our faith, voice our beliefs and live them. Even though we live in a post-Christian era where Christianity is no longer at the centre of the culture but is now pushed to the fringe, we still have freedom in this country to live out our faith. I think our challenge from Esther's experience of entering uh, the harem is to ask God for wisdom as to how we should go about expressing our religious beliefs and faith. Sometimes I believe, sometimes it does more harm than good to march into an unfamiliar setting with a stranger having built no relationship and start preaching at them especially in a society that says keep your religious beliefs to yourself and do not try to uh, hoist them on me and foster them on me. I believe we have to live our lives in such a way that we are seen as different and then that we are invited to share why we are different because then we'll be heard. Mordecai, as he continues along, Mordecai checked in with Esther every day He couldn't actually go and see her, but he was able to go uh, near the courtyard and inquire of her well-being. When you read those, because you're going to go home and read those first two chapters, right? You will see that every day he was right at the gates of the courtyard, checking in on how Esther was doing, which reminds me and tells me it is our responsibility to support and encourage one another, especially those who find themselves in difficult and trying circumstances not only should we be praying for them, but we should take concrete steps to help them. You know, we could contact them and see how they're doing, we could send care packages, we could help them get into a support group, any number of things. We are not to allow fellow believers to do this journey on their own. And that's a challenge because in this day and age, Christianity, which was once very much uh, community-oriented, has become very much an individualistic uh, faith. And and, and in some ways, very self-absorbed. And so I wanna challenge us and remind us, it's our responsibility to encourage each other along on this journey. It's not meant to be done uh, on our own. Think about who you haven't seen in church in a while. Think about a family member or a friend you haven't spoken to in a while. Think about somebody who has recently lost a loved one. Think about a single parent who is is struggling, or maybe you heard of somebody who is having a hard time with depression. Make time to touch base and and to encourage them. Uh, Set aside any differences that you might have. Forgive if you need to forgive. Be empathetic and understanding. Be kind and loving. We need to support and to love one another. Right? And then, now you're thinking, oh Esther, you know, she's been set aside in this harem and she has all all these blessings and all this help and all the good things. And Esther's life was rather posh because before she goes to see King Xerxes, she had to undergo 12 months of beauty treatments. And the women here are going, whoa. Wouldn't I love even to have one spa day 12 whole months, but I'm gonna tell you, a good, too much of a good thing, you know? Not so good, right? However, she had to undergo these treatments and, and all of this, and, and she had the luxurious clothes, all to get ready for that first time she will go in uh, to see King Xerxes. But this was forced uh, preparation time for the girls to go and see the king. But I've got a lesson out of that, right? Here's the lesson, men and women right? Take time to look after ourselves, right? It can be so easy to be working constantly, to be doing for others and taking care of others, that we allow ourselves to become run down. If that happens, you know what it is, we will be of absolutely no use to others. We will burn out. So find time for a little pampering. And yes, men, feel free, you too can go for a manicure and a pedicure. Just saying. Just saying, you know, for some of you, it might be really pushing you outside of your comfort zone, you know. Pastor Nick, I'm sure Cindy would be happy to take you. You might really have to think about this. but <laughs> Okay, so if that's not for you, Pastor Nick, take time and go for a stroll. I know you love, yeah, the- <laughs> right? But pampering can be other. Take time and go for a stroll. Take time to be quiet. You know, read a good book, not something that we have to, Read, but take time just to read a good book. Look after yourselves if you want to be uh, of any good to other people. Slow down and get off this wicked treadmill of busyness. You know, also, dress nicely. Okay, I'm not saying you have to be too posh posh and frou frou and all the other words and how you dress. Just dress nicely. Dress nicely. We know people shouldn't judge us by our appearance, but they do, right? And so if you look sloppy and disheveled and rumpled or frumpy, then you're not representing God well. That's my personal opinion. You're not representing God well. Your appearance says that God isn't providing uh, enough for you to look neat and clean or have your clothes in good repair, right? Or either that way or you're simply choosing to disrespect God by not uh, presenting yourself in such a fashion that, uh, you know, would say to people that God provides. You know, I'm not saying go out and go to the, lair- the, the, the uh, high-end stores or the designer stores, but you know what? Look, pull yourself together, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let's look good. And I can find a sale, you know, I can help you. <laughs> right? <laughs> I find nice stores, and the first thing sales rack. I can find a good sale. But you know, all of this is to say, God, you know, when you're giving so much to other people and you're giving to the ministry of the church, don't let God down by then showing up disheveled or your clothes in disrepair, right? The God we serve is bigger than that. If he's providing for you to give, he's providing enough for you to look good as well and to represent him well, all right? In Esther's situation, you see, when a girl was ready to go before the king, she would ask for anything that she wanted, and some took full advantage of that. Well, when it was Esther's turn, she simply asked Haggai, the king's eunuch, who was in charge of the harem, for his suggestion. And this suggests to me humility, right? We need to practice humility. Just because we can doesn't mean we should. Just because we may have the right to something doesn't mean we should take it or take advantage of our situation or status. Let us live lives of humility. The result of living such a life for Esther is that she won the favour of everyone who saw her. Now we may or may not uh, be liked by everyone, and believe me, if you are liked by everyone, there's something wrong, right? Because even Christ said we are not going to be liked by everyone. So if we are liked by everyone, hmm, we need to reexamine our walk with the Lord, right? And so just recognize we have to live our lives in humility. And finally, it's Esther's turn. And remember, this is probably a minimum of a year since she entered the harem. But this tells us that we must be patient with where we find ourselves. Our tendency is to question God and become impatient because we can't see the end. We can't see what good could possibly come out of our situation or how God could possibly use us. We can't see it. He can. And so be patient. Right. And so uh, let me just move it along quickly here now because there's so much more to go. But I also want to remind us that we must be very careful to conduct ourselves in a Christ-like manner so that others are drawn to him right? And so we see here that uh, as Esther uh, lived and and served her God, she conducted herself in such a manner. And then the last challenge is use your position and influence for good because that is what Esther will eventually do. God placed Esther on the throne even before the Jews faced the possibility of complete destruction so that when trouble came, a person would already be in a position to help. So if you are changing jobs or position or location and you can't see God's purpose in the situation, understand that God is in control and you are in your position, in your situation, in whatever place in life you find yourself, you are there for a reason. You may not know it yet, but keep your eyes and your ears open as to how God wants to use you. So... We're going to continue next week, and you will be all read up, ready to go. But now we're going to go into a time of communion. And as you've heard this story on Esther, is God challenging you in any area? In any area? Is there something he's challenging you with? Is he challenging you in any of your relationships? Is there, do you have a relationship that needs to be rectified? Are you in a healthy relationship and need to keep nurturing it, or are you in an unhealthy relationship that you need to invite the Lord to fix or to reconcile, or perhaps you need to even walk away from that relationship? Are you feeling that your life circumstances are beyond your control? If so, all you need to do is call on God for help, lean into him, and uh, he will help get you through. It's hard, but he'll get you through when you trust him. Are you wrestling with any sort of a difficult decision? Before you act, remember to spend much time in prayer. Are you continuing to persevere in faith? Do you see the opportunities that are right in front of you? Do you need boldness and courage to grab a hold of those opportunities? Are you taking good care of yourself? Is there anything you need to do, something in your schedule you need to change, something you need to do to take good care of yourself? And finally, you are where you are for a reason. And so, as we think about the cross, as we think about what Jesus did for us on that cross, whatever he's challenging you with you, before you partake of these elements, remember, we can go to him, confess our sin, Invite him to come and purify and cleanse us and invite him to continue to do his transforming work in our lives. And as we do that, as we surrender to him, as we remember, as we celebrate, we then invite him to move us out and move us forward to use us greatly for his kingdom. You've got a lot to think about and to evaluate. And so um, may the Lord bless you as we continue to trust him that as he put Esther in her position, he's placed you where you are for a reason, for a purpose, and we're going to trust him on that journey. Amen? Amen. Amen.